You're listening to Edible Podcasts, orally fixated, highly ingestible, lesbian and cannabis culture. Hey, yo, Alexa, roll up. Happy Juneteenth, y'all. We a day late, but that's okay. We celebrating Juneteenth all weekend. Welcome to Edible Podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is your host, Fame, where you can find orally fixated, highly ingestible lesbian and cannabis culture. And today's episode is called We Gonna Be All Right. If y'all couldn't tell that from like, you know, the the intro like you know that that's what it's going to be today we are going to be all right and that's what i want to communicate with this episode um that's what i want to empower you all to continue thinking and believing we are going to be all right so needless to say we're going to be talking about a couple of topics today white privilege is one of them um how to explain white privilege to people because a lot of people just don't get it Um, Also, we're going to talk about being biracial, Um, just the different things that biracial individuals are going through, myself included, (laughs) during this time um, because I have white family. So we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit. I actually um, recorded an experience that I had prior to the riots, um, a conversation that I was having with my mother who happens to be white. So you guys will get firsthand my experience and my processing through that conversation that we had um so yeah all up in my life (laughs) i don't know any other way to be but honest with y'all um i really like to bring real shit to y'all and real stuff that's actually happening and of course you know i know my experience is something that a lot of other people are going through so if i can help you guys process and work through stuff then you know that's that's all i can ask for another thing we're going to be talking about is tips for protesting um there are ways to not necessarily protest safely because unfortunately you know we can't help what other people do to us i know y'all have been seeing the videos peaceful protesters are being chased down shot with rubber bullets you know all of those things so this is how to best protect yourself when you're out there protesting how to be aware how to be alert 
and how to stay ready um, when some shit goes down. In addition to that, we're going to be talking about why you need to protect your mental during this time, why it's okay to turn off. Um, and then also, we're going to get into Black Trans Lives Matter on our special this week, our takeover on OnAirWithSir.com. We started touching on that. Um, so I'm going to bring that audio back to this episode. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. Um, but why Black Trans Lives Matter? Why we need to say that? Um, and then, of course, we're going to make sure we... Um, Pay honors and respects to the black trans individuals who have lost their lives. Obviously, it's not going to be a complete list, um, but it's one of the most recent lists um, that I was able to attain. So we're going to make sure we say their name. In addition to that, we're going to be talking to supporting black businesses. Supporting black businesses how to do that, what it actually looks like and what it doesn't look like and how we're unfair with each other a lot of times, like amongst black businesses. So we're going to talk about how to go about supporting black businesses. And when you have an issue with a black business, how to not degrade that business. There are ways as consumers, we can go about helping people improve their processes. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. And last but not least, I don't know if y'all seen uh, the tweets from Asian Doll. Um, that's something that was trending last week, actually. So we're going to address Asian Doll's tweets. Apparently, she believes light-skinned people um, don't actually give a fuck and shouldn't be out there protesting. So, yeah, we're going to get to that bullshit, too. First up, let's talk about Juneteenth. Juneteenth is the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the ending of slavery in the United States, and it originated in Texas. And of course, we're continuing to celebrate it um, throughout the United States. Now, this is supposed to be when the last slaves were emancipated, which again, we know like looking back and just like just through reality, all of the slaves were not actually freed at this time. However, that doesn't change the significance of the legal moves that were made in order to make that happen. Um, are we free today even? Hell no, we not free today. However, again, it's about the sig symbolic significance of what that meant. I know a lot of people are out there I'm seeing on social media they are like, I'm not celebrating Juneteenth either because we're not free. Listen, y'all, <laughs> y'all got to give yourselves room to breathe. You got to give yourselves room to celebrate, even if it's minor, um, minor progressions that are happening. Nevertheless, it's always time to celebrate. These are small successes that are happening. It's fucked up that it took this a matter of two or three weeks to start taking down, um, you know, statues of slave owners to start um, actually addressing these different things. We got Aunt Jemima um, talking about they, they're going to be taking her off the bottle. Like, y'all been knew what the fuck that shit was about. Y'all been knew that stuff was, was based on racism. However, you continue to do it. The ice cream truck, the ice cream truck jingle, that was based on a racist song as well. Like, um, and I don't want to misquote. I don't want to misrepresent. I don't like saying things that I don't know for a fact. However, um, the tune is supposedly taken from, you know, when they used to tour around like with the carnivals and things like that, um, circuses. And they would have black people on display um, doing different things. I don't know if y'all know, but they literally used to have black people as a carnival attraction, you know? So it's just like crazy shit like that. 
we know our history. We're not stupid. There's information out there, yet these organizations and these corporations, these businesses, these brands are having this, aha, oh, I, I didn't know that. I didn't, like, this is your brand, bruh. Major companies, you didn't know that about your brand? And now you want to get black support. So you're talking about how you're going to be making moves to change the face of Aunt Mama. Miss me with that shit. Miss me with that shit. But we're not going to linger on that too long. We have a lot to get through. Um, I just wanted to make sure we covered what Juneteenth was in case there's any black people still out there who don't know what it is. Get with it. You should know it more than what the fuck July 4th is. Honestly, Independence Day. Uh, what's the other shit? Uh, Veterans Day. I, I, I don't even know what that shit is about, but I know you need to know what Juneteenth is about. <laughs> All right, y'all. So now we're going to get into this concept of not being black enough and not being white enough. And for those of you who are biracial, triracial, whatever the case may be, I, I know this resonates with you. <laughs> and this isn't um, some type of uh, attempt to draw light skin tears or anything like that but this is um a real issue that people have it's almost like we don't belong to either side and it's not like we're trying to take sides but however whenever we go to participate in issues that center black folk a lot of times and i'm not saying this is everybody please don't misquote me but a lot of times we are looked at like what the fuck are you doing here like <laughs> what y'all light skins doing here i was literally um watching a live the other day and um, they were discussing whether or not light-skinned light people should be able to say the N-word. And that came from a conversation about Drake using the N-word, um, who we know is half black. And, you know, someone came straight out who um, was brought onto the live and they straight up said, like, light-skinned people can't say the N-word because they are not black. So what the fuck are we, y'all? Like, I just really want to know, like, what the fuck are we? Because we're not white either, you know? Yes, you do have people who are uh, multiracial and they pass for white. They're white passing. However, that's not necessarily the case for light-skinned people. We're clearly not white. Society knows that. And we are, in fact, treated like we're not white. Um, so this next um, excerpt that we're going to get into, and I apologize for the audio um, because it was actually happening in real time. I didn't sit down and set up my mic or whatever. So, um, you know, there, there might be some parts that are inaudible. However, hopefully y'all y'all get the gist of what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm basically, again, like walking y'all through my emotions and it, it, was, it was very fucked up. <laughs> so I'm letting y'all inside of my personal life right now. Um, it, it definitely was something that, that jacked me all the way up. And I say all that to say, you know, people again, like I have white family. So it's different when you have black family and everybody around you is supporting you in the movement and everything that you're doing. My white family, yes, they are motherfucking privileged. They, there's, there's no way to negate that. And they also are very ignorant of a lot of things. So being biracial, I've had to address these things constantly. And it's like, I feel like it's my purpose. I feel like I'm the one that needs to be able to address this because in my white family, there are only two of us that are black, me and my sister. Um, so it's almost like I feel a duty to address it, but it is definitely mentally draining. It fucked me up because family doesn't always necessarily mean they have your or your people's best interest at heart. And that's why I say like, no, fuck that blood shit at the end of the day. Like your fam is your fam. Um, 
but yeah I had to do a lot of rearranging in my life when it came when it came to friends and family as I'm sure a lot of you had to do as well when you start to realize these things that are going on but before I get off on a tangent please please um listen in I'm about to get straight to that excerpt and then we'll be right back with a discussion about Asian doll and you know her comments on how light-skinned people should not be protesting so I am processing live in action my mother essentially saying to me that I'm not black and I just so happen to be uh, half Italian half Cherokee half black well, that doesn't make sense when you get down to the math of it, but y'all know what I'm saying. The third. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've never shared a personal moment or anything like that. Um, but I think things like this are necessary because I'm positive other people go through this. This is actually the first time in my life that I have. And I am 34 years old. My mother is an Italian white woman, some other Irish, you know, shit like that makes up in there. My father is Cherokee and black. And, you know, naturally the easiest box to check when you're all of those things and the things people <clears throat> more than likely associate you with is black because, you know, black usually shines through all the other races. Um, so yeah, growing up, People, growing up, people looked at me or would assume that I was Puerto Rican, even, you know, to this day. And, you know, would speak to me in Spanish and I would have to correct them. Um, but let's take it back. I grew up in Philadelphia. I was born and raised in Philadelphia, um, Wyoming area. And I lived in Philly all the way up until... I was about 11, 12 years old. And during that time that I lived in Philadelphia, um, you know, I, I fought a lot in school. You know, my dad would assume that, and I'll get suspended, of course. My dad would assume, you know, that it was just me just acting up in school, which was nothing farther from the truth. So, he decided it would be in my best interest to send me to live with my mother, who I hadn't lived with for, I want to say since I was like maybe five or six years old. Um, she moved out due to uh, relationship struggles with my father. He was cheating. And um, he ended up moving the woman that he was cheating or my mother with in the house. Uh, she later on became my stepmother. Mother, she moved out. Um, she was, uh, as they call them back in the day, an exotic dancer. <laughs> and, you know, she didn't have her own resources at that time um, as far as like the home was concerned. So she couldn't have us. He didn't let her have us whenever she moved out. Um, so she ended up getting on her feet. She decided to move to this very beautiful area in western Pennsylvania, southwestern Pennsylvania. I'm sure your eyebrows are raising already. <laughs> um, southwestern Pennsylvania happens to be the area in Pennsylvania with the highest number 
of KKK members, highest concentration of KKK members. Um, it is a hole in the wall town if there is such a thing. And yeah, a lot of very outdated views, um, a lot of mountain people um, who weren't necessarily forced to change their ways because they, you know, pretty much live in solitude from one another. You know, open mountain area, mountainous town. So she decides to move her two black daughters and one white to Uniontown, Pennsylvania. And yeah, as you can imagine, major culture shock coming from Philadelphia. Um, so we get there and of course I'm being a shit because I'm a teenager and you just ripped me away from all of my friends. And I uh, end up like becoming a recluse basically staying in my room all day, not wanting to talk to anyone. I was extremely, extremely depressed. When I got there, like literally my first day of school, um, in high school, cause I started there my last year of junior high. And then my last, my first day of high school, I remember um, walking down the spiral staircase and someone shouting from the top of their lungs, nigger, and throwing change down at me at the bottom of the staircase. Now, <laughs> that was my first, my very first incident of like racism. And, you know, thank God it wasn't something more serious, you know, but nevertheless, the first time I had encountered it, um, my community in Philadelphia that I grew up in was mostly black and Puerto Rican. Um, not a lot of white folk really. It's not the case for, I know, South Philly and, and other areas in Philly, which are and continue to be very racist areas. Um, but yeah, I had never experienced anything like that in my life. And I remember kind of just like freezing up, like, and I didn't feel like a punk or anything because I didn't like react the way I would, like if I was in Philly and like some bitch did that to me, you know, the show would have been on. But I just had like a moment where the world kind of just stood still and I was like, bet <laughs> this thing called racism that they talk about on TV is real. <laughs> um, and I had experienced it, you know, so, you know, I, I had, even though I had processed it on, you know, through watching TV and media and, and things of that nature, um, you process it differently whenever you experience it firsthand. And you know in that moment that you're different. And me being an empath, like, and I always have my whole, I've always have been my whole life. Um, Sorry, this is emotional for me. <laughs> I just kind of felt like the weight of, of us as black people. And, you know, as I got older, obviously, you know, the instances and the things that I see through TV and social media um, got worse and worse, you know, with the advancement of technology. And you start to take that on. That moment that you know you're different, you start to take that on. And in that moment, I wasn't seen as a white woman, as one of them. 
I wasn't even looked at as Puerto Rican like I normally am here in Philadelphia. It was very apparent to them that I had the drop of black in me. Um, and for them, that was enough. And this is my first day of high school. No? Uh, I didn't do anything about it. I just kind of like went on my business. And then I began to, the same as we do, you know, in our culture, because we've been so desensitized to it, just began to look at it as everyday life. And how fucked up is that? Like, think about that shit, that in any instance, this is acceptable. So, fast forwarding, um, I have two sons. They have a black father. Um, they are black men. Every day that goes by, I'm thankful that everyone made it another day. But it's almost like I'm moving them, reaching adulthood, and, and really having to face what it is that they're, they're going to have to go through mentally, spiritually, because of the color of their skin. Or their features. Um, as a mother, like that's, that's a lot. I worry about their father. I'm not with their father, but I love him dearly. I worry about him having to suffer, you know, the, the hand of someone who is racist, someone who hates black people and is just looking to go out and just fuck somebody's whole life up, you know, as is happening day in and day out. I'm affected by this shit. I'm affected by this shit. It's a, it's a, one of the main reasons that I smoke is because I be so, so deep in my feelings. So it just kind of balances me out because these are things I'm thinking of constantly and, and continuously picking up on again because of being empathic. Um, so yeah, you have to develop blockers to things like this in order to like maintain your sanity and yeah all the empaths out there y'all know y'all feel me <laughs> um so all things considered when I'm having this conversation um with my mother today and honestly like I'm I'm so upset that I I forget how it even started this isn't the first occasion that I've you know tried to lightly bring up to her the fact that she shouldn't speak on black issues unless you're promoting another black teacher, black leader's thoughts or bringing something to the table. <laughs> and I don't even want to say that. Like, financially bringing something to the table? <laughs> Supportive-wise? That's really all that white people need to bring to the table. But my point is, as a white person, you cannot speak on certain things. You just have to be quiet. But as a white woman, 
just as is described when you read about this occurrence, the denial of privilege, of white privilege, and not even that. It's almost like a defense mechanism that just kind of like happens whenever a white person thinks that you think they're being malicious in their words, or that you think they're being racist, or you think, you think, you think. And it blocks them from being able to actually listen to what you're saying. Which in most times is helpful information that's gonna stop them from like getting their face smacked in by the wrong person. Like, you're like, listen, bruh, I'm trying to help you. Um, <laughs> but I digress. Um, she feels because she is the mother to two black, no, half black children. Emphasis on half black for later in the story. <laughs> that she should be able to speak on certain issues. She feels like because she had a, a black baby daddy for some years, that she should be able to speak on certain issues. Listen to all the white women out there. No disrespect, but because you're taking black gifts doesn't mean you're taking on all the plights of the black community. It's not happening. That's not how it works. At all. Because if it did work that way, when we fucked y'all, we'd be able to take in all of all of your privilege. <laughs> but we can't do that, can we? <laughs> so now that we know it doesn't work that way, um, or even you have a black children. And that's not negating, because I have, I have half black children and there are people out there who say people who are half black aren't black, um, which again, we're gonna get to. But having black children doesn't make you a black woman. It doesn't. You still, when you leave those black children, you still go through your white experience, period. You go through your privilege experience. You have your own perceptions of the world, which are totally different from ours. You don't go through the same things. And it's that acknowledgement that makes, it's the critical difference between a conversation going right and a conversation going left. The acknowledgement. Please, at least like acknowledge these things. Um, so yeah, she felt that, you know, taking black dick, having two black kids, made her able to speak on black issues and just to back up this is someone who you know again we have these discussions all the time um but i have to cut them off because at a certain point the discussions start to damage me and that's what's important too when you're having discussions with people like know when it's starting to take a toll on you mentally because I'm dreaming right now and it is 10.47 a.m. And I woke up happy than a motherfucker. <laughs> Just to be real. That's, that's what happened. Um, so yeah. So no one to, when to not continue the conversation. But yeah, this is the same woman who we were talking about white women using the n-word to call or to insult their 
baby dads or husband or partners, their black counterparts, um, during an argument. She was on the side of, you know, I said it when I was mad in, in the argument. Listen, okay, that's fine you said it when you're emotional. That's fine. We all say like crazy shit when, we emo- when, when we're emotional, but we all don't say racist shit when we're emotional. Like, let's be clear. Period. Especially with someone who you're laying down with. Like, that's deep. That's real deep. And the discussion was about someone else. It wasn't about her, per se, that she had, you know, told me about an instance where she had done that to my father. Um, so again, we have someone who <laughs> thinks like this, but feels like they should be able to speak on Black issues and how they should fix themselves and what they need to do in order to... <laughs> They, they, they. Another key word that y'all, it's not, it's not in unison. These, these conversations are not in unison. <laughs> that they see us differently. You know? See? I just used it. <laughs> um. So, yeah. Needless to say, she could not understand why. She should be able to say these things. Um, you know, and I broke it down to her just like I normally do. You're right. Until you can have a holistic perspective, a point of view, which you can never have about these issues, which you can never have because you're not black, you can't speak on things. You just can't. And I don't give a fuck if you took a, a fucking African studies class or what the fuck ever in college. I got shit to do with real life happening right now. I respect African studies, but I'm talking about current events. And according to current events right now, shit is fucked up. So moving on and trying to explain to her why she cannot speak on black issues. She interrupts me and says, Well, you don't know everything and you're half black. You're not even full black. Like, who the fuck are we talking about right now? Like my cats, my like uh dogs, like mixed breeds, like full half the fuck? <laughs> and that alone let me know she's not in the space to be able to process what I'm saying to her. Did I need to say it? Absolutely. Did it do anything any good? Who knows? Only time will tell. Um, and I'm glad I, I did this actually and speaking to you all about it because it helped me process and calm down too. A good therapy technique. I recommend it. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it definitely definitely fucked me up a little bit considering all the things that you know I disclosed to you early in the story um so I have my own mother I you know I have there are black people in the community who say that if you're half you're not black now I think really what they're trying to say is we don't fully go through all of the experiences you know especially related to like colorism and things of that nature I can respect that absolutely to say we're not black, like, who the fuck are we then? We're white? 
because we go through a lot of the same shit. And last I checked, like, I don't give a fuck what color you are, like, community. You gonna, you gonna look at your brother or your sister differently, or, you know, the, the people around you differently because they happen to have some white in them or they happen to have some black in them? Like, think about that shit. Like, there are literally people who say people who are half white are not black. And again, I think what you're trying to do is separate the plight to separate the experience. Totally get it. But can we come up with another way to, to do that? <laughs> because I've been through some shit because I am black. And no one can take that from me. And I don't need any person in the community's permission to claim my blackness. It is what it is. Just like you don't need anybody's permission to claim your strength. You don't need anybody's permission to claim your destiny. Guess what? <laughs> Shit kind of happened to me. And uh, the white people don't want to have me. So like, can y'all make room at the table? <laughs> Welcome, welcome back, y'all. I hope y'all were able to get through that and process that. I know it was all over the place, but so was my mental at the time. Um, you are listening to Edible Podcast on onairwithsir.com. Um, it is our Juneteenth special. We talking about everything. We're talking about colorism. We're talking about white privilege. We talking about Asian dolls, crazy ass tweets, and... <laughs> We're going to work through them. Um, let, let's just get right to the shit. All right, so here's a tweet. Asian Doll tweeted, A lot of light-skinned girls posting Black Lives Matter like you hoes not racist too. Y'all bullied dark-skinned girls all our life thinking y'all was better than us. Talked about our skin color. Called us monkeys. You hoes fraud but keep spread spreading fake love. You hoes will never understand us. She followed this up with a, you know, a since deleted tweet light-skinned bitches way evil and jealous to dark-skinned girls than the white folks but that's a different racist topic so let's let's talk about that light-skinned bitches are more evil and jealous when it comes to dark-skinned girls than white folks are like i don't i don't even know what the fuck that statement means but anybody <laughs> anyway she says for everybody who's mad about me speaking on being a colorist is weird what's actually weird is the fact that you didn't think through your statements because you literally lumped all black people all black light-skinned people in one group and essentially what i got from that is that we can't sympathize we can't empathize because we're light-skinned with black lives matter again black lives matter isn't necessary it isn't directly about colorism it's about black people's deaths it's about our deaths it's about us being um overwhelmingly targeted that's what it's about and again i'm not negating the impact of colorism on that because that's what it comes down to when we're talking about being targeted most of us are targeted because of the color of our skin but i feel like there's a danger when you start to jumble all these issues together and then the message that we're trying to take from this becomes unclear so i do have a response for asian doll and here we go so full transparency if y'all have not noticed i am light-skinned however i'm not here to focus on whether or not i benefit from colorism 
which is what Asian Doll was really referring to in this tweet. She's referring to colorism. Colorism is a thing. It's something that we need to talk about. It's something that if you feel like fucking venting about, about right now, I don't give a fuck what's going on. Do that, sis. Like, definitely do that. But again, the way you went about it um, is, is, is what's fucked up. Again, think before you speak. Anyway, I'm not asking for light skin tears again. Like, I understand that I am light skin and I am a bef beneficiary of, of privilege, of light skin privilege, of colorism, all of that stuff. I understand that that is something that, again, I can't get away from. I was, I was made light skin and these are the things that exist in the world. Um, so again, I'm not negating any of those things, but what I am doing is I'm asking for us to not be separated at a time when the unity of all blacks, light skin and white folk alike is being demonstrated. She's literally saying we should not be protesting because we're fucking light skin. <laughs> I just can't. Anyway, as I'm trying to illustrate, at this time, the movement is focusing on racial injustice. And again, yes, a lot of that is due to colorism. However, one thing at a time. Additionally, one doesn't have to be any particular shade to find her tweets ignorant. Like they're just fucking ignorant. Anyway, here's what I have to say. Number one, it took at least one black parent to make my light skin ass, okay? I have a whole provider who is black and goes through the black experience. And I bet your next question is, well, like, is your mama is your mama black or is your daddy black? My father is black. And, you know, this is debatable, but I truly do believe, um, you know, it's a different experience when your father is white versus when your father is black in a, in a biracial situation. A black father who's the head of his household, he's still experiencing prejudice, racism, um, unemployment, all of those things that face black fathers trickles down to their household. If you have a white father, however, they come in with privilege, am I right? They come in with different privileges. Um, just statistically speaking, they're better off, you know, when it comes to finances and education and all of those things that white privilege gets you. Um, so just, just to clear it up, my father is a black man. So he went through black shit. He went through all of that shit that happened back then. He went through racism. Um, he was here in Philadelphia. When that, when the house was burned down, forgive me, I can't remember what it was, but the, the whole family's home was attacked here in Philly. Um, look it up. Um, but yeah, like those, these are things that he experienced in his lifetime as a black man. Um, so with him being a black man, you're trying to tell me that <laughs> I can't fight for my father. I can't fight for my sons even. Because guess what? I might be a light-skinned woman, but I have black sons. Their father is black as well. So you're shitting on all of these people and their experiences. Because honestly, the tweet sounded like just... It sounded like she needed an event. It sounded like she was working through some shit on her own. And again, like, I'm not here for emotion patrol or anything like that say what you say i'm all here for saying what the fuck it is you need to say to get it off your chest but there's definitely a time and a place and 
it's always time to speak on colorism. Always, always time to speak on colorism. But again, what you decided to do was take your personal experiences with light-skinned women um, throughout your life, which again, I'm not negating your experiences. I'm not saying they are not valid. They are very valid and you should speak on them. But then to take that and apply it to people who are protesting in the Black Lives Matter movement, bitch, bye. So in conclusion, a lot of women have these experiences. However, they do not go on a light-skinned witch hunt. As a beneficiary of light-skinned privilege, I am truly, truly sorry and sympathetic for what you all have gone through. And I say sympathetic, not empathetic, because I can't know, I can't feel or experience with what a darker woman has been through, just like I can't experience what a lighter woman has been through, or vice versa. Um, so again, I am sympathetic for what you've gone through. And honestly, as an empath, that shit hurts to see anybody go through that shit. When I was young, and what's what's crazy about it, like our perceptions and the things that we want for ourselves when it, when it comes to our physical attributes changes so much. I literally just became okay. Well, I don't say just within the last 10 years with my light skinnedness. Since I was little, I always wanted to be darker. I always wanted to be dark skinned. And of course, I didn't know what that came with. Um, and that's what a lot of people will tell you. Like, yeah, you want to be dark, but you don't want all these problems. And that's that's so true. Like, that is so fucking true. Um, but at the end of the day, I saw being dark skinned as, as being beautiful. And the dark skinned women that were around me were always so confident and funny and just genuinely themselves it seemed like they had no issue being themselves or being social and that was a lot of the darker skinned women that I looked up to growing up which is why I didn't want to be light-skinned I was like fuck this light-skinned shit <laughs> so again I can only stand with you I can stand with you to let the world know that colorism is ugly and that it exists the same way we are currently asking our white counterparts to stand up and be an example, to let the world know racism exists. Asking women to hold their arms up to a color wheel before they decide to open their mouths and show support for Black Lives Matter or to speak on their personal experiences as a black woman is asinine at the least and silencing to all black women at the highest of offenses. We need numbers in this movement. Numbers, not your Twitter stats. So for everybody out there who just wanna say some shit just to get everybody riled up, and I hope that wasn't the case. I hope she was just misguided and you know thought through the shit after the fact. But again, this ain't about you getting your numbers up, you getting your stats up. This is about numbers showing up to these marches. And don't you dare on my time or anybody else's time or watch, put down people who are fucking there standing up at the front lines for everyone for us and that leads me to our next topic y'all how to ensure not even ensure but how to, the best way to go about being safe while you're at these protests um so these are this is actually taken from a list that was shared there was no author because they're not trying to take credit for the list however there are some really great tips in here so um, here's the first tip. If you are live streaming a protest and you are recording yourself or taking selfies instead of documenting information, you are not an ally, you are a tourist. And we've seen it like with all these protests happening, people taking selfies and like it's fun and, you know, basically trying to come off as leaders in the movement and shit like that. Like, I'll tell you one thing, when I was out at the protest, 
I didn't take a single selfie. And I'm not trying to say like, you know, I'm better than anyone. But my point is, again, I was there to document what was happening. I was there to document what was happening to make sure that if any shit went down, it was caught on video, those types of things. If you're showing up literally just to say that you were at this shit, like have, have a seat, please. Secondly, cover your face, which we know if you're there being a tourist, you're probably not going to want to cover your face because you're taking selfies. <laughs> but cover your face, cover your hair, cover your tattoos. Why? These are things that are recognizable if people try to identify you later. Listen, I don't know if y'all are into conspiracy theories, but I am. And I truly believe a lot of these leaders in the movement are being assassinated or being taken out. They're, they're coming up missing, hanging, all of those things. Again, don't have yourself easily identifiable when you're out here because the idea isn't for you to do some type of uh, appearance. The idea is for you to be there to protest. Again, like have, have your intentions in order before you go out to these things. So again, when you show up to these things, the idea is to be incognito, show up and protest. Write your emergency contact information on your body with a Sharpie somewhere both out of view and where it won't sweat off or memorize it. I don't see the point of memorizing it because if you're unconscious, then that's clearly not going to uh, yeah, be a thing. You will not have access to your cell phone if you are arrested or anything else. So yeah, it's good to have like your contact information on your body somewhere um, where they can't take it off of you. Of course, you want to make sure you are wearing goggles for tear gas because that shit is real. I had not been sprayed with it or anything, but I know people who were um, and it, it's just not a pleasant experience. And, uh, you know, you certainly don't want to experience that. So make sure you have goggles, masks, all of that. Umbrellas can be used in preventing bad actors and by bad actors are talking about like different agitators, maybe people who are there who aren't there for the actual movement so they're saying umbrellas can be used um, to keep people from hitting you with projectiles during an otherwise peaceful protest so that's another way first of all especially if you're standing out in the sun you get you know shade from the sun and then you're also able to stop people who are outside the protest agitators throwing shit um, from that sh from making contact with you it's important to note that even at these protests Violence at a protest does not invalidate the point of the protest, even when it's intended to be peaceful. When people focus on the violence, it's just a way to ignore the meaning of the protest. Stop changing the subject. And that's the last note that I want to leave you on about protests. Listen, y'all don't have to make excuses for people. I don't feel bad when people are on there like, oh, they're looting, they're doing this. I do not give a fuck until y'all start bringing people back from the dead. Don't talk to me about no buildings. Don't talk to me about no business. Don't talk to me about none of that shit because I don't give a fuck and neither does any other black person. Like that's, that's just what it is. We're discussing the erasure of black women and leaders from movements throughout history. Black trans women are routinely left out of the narrative, whether it's the narrative of leadership or the narrative of being victims of fatal violence. Um, which we know fatal violence disproportionately affects transgender women of color. And if you don't know, then now you know. You know, just think about it, really. Think about all of the different intersectionality taking place. We have a 
transgender woman of color. And for those of you who, you know, aren't in the LGBTQ community and, you know, what we're discussing is, is news to you, um, definitely listen up. And I know your first reaction is transgender woman of color. Like, why do we have to say all that? Why is it this? Why is it that? Why? Because it's necessary to be counted, especially in situations like this transgender woman of color think about all of the isms going against a person who identifies as such we have racism we have sexism homophobia biphobia transphobia so when we're talking about deaths in the black community i know um a lot of individuals are thinking especially again if you're not in the queer community you know why do we have to say black trans lives matter why do we have to say this? Why do we have to make it about us? It's the same concept as to why we have to say Black Lives Matter. Because as we start to break it down into to the different subsections of the people who we're talking about, trans lives, Black trans lives specifically, go unspoken on, uninvestigated, unprosecuted, um, because of the prejudice that exists towards these groups. And with all this violence going on, y'all, like we're constantly seeing on social media, um, of course, because of everything going on, you're trying to keep up to date with the latest information, but know the signs of when it's starting to take a toll on your mental. When you start to feel lost, distraught, you start to feel like you're helpless. When watching these this imagery starts to have that type of negative impact on your spirit on your soul on your being and again it's not that you shouldn't be feeling these things right now now is definitely the time to feel feel your emotions embrace them talk about them cry about them whatever it is you need to do for you to process what's happening right now however you have to make sure that you turn off every once in a while. The information will be there. Take a break from social media. Put the shit down. If people around you are constantly talking, every morning I wake up and the white people in my house are talking about Black Lives Matter and honestly, I'm over it. Um, <laughs> like, it, it's a good thing, but it's just, it's stressful because that's not the first thing that I want to talk about when I first wake up. I have a process. And once I put myself through my morning routine, I'm, a, I'm in a better position to be able to absorb this type of information, to be able to absorb this violence because post-traumatic stress disorder from watching things is real. Um, I don't know if some of y'all's nightmares and things like that are picking up. You know, you're having more, I'm having more dreams about groups of people and protests and violence. Like all of that stuff impacts you psychologically. So know when to turn it off. And I have a couple of announcements for y'all this Sunday. The Philly Queer March for Black Lives is taking place. It's hosted by the Philadelphia LGBTQ Bar Association, and it's taking place in Love Park from 1.30 to 4 p.m. It's gonna be hot and there's gonna be thunderstorms, so make sure y'all dress appropriately, bring your umbrellas and all of that. Also, the Black Dragon Breakfast Club will be having some self-healing things going on, so make sure you guys go follow. It's all about 
healing for the black community. Um, so they have some uh, events taking place across the city. You wanna hit a Black Dragon Breakfast Club on IG for the details. I also wanna show love to Join Aid. If you haven't heard of Join Aid, it's a mutual aid fund for black Philadelphians that was set up by Shakira King and her team to help out and fill the gaps um, with income for black Philadelphians during these trying times. So definitely mad love to join aid for the mutual aid fund. Also Sankofa House. If y'all haven't heard of Sankofa House, get to know Sankofa House. They're big, especially in the West Philadelphia community um, with the queer fam. They were busting their asses all week they're still busting their asses collecting um donations and supplies to give out to the protesters or those who need it also one last person i want to shout out then i'm done i promise y'all <laughs> chef mo bananas who has been delivering meals to the homeless in center city philadelphia um since the covid had started I don't know if y'all know, but you know, the people think about the homeless people last in situations like this. Um, so shout out to Chef Mo Bananas, who was making sure like he was out there in these streets, getting these meals to Center City, especially when the protests were going on. It was super, super hard um, to, to reach this population, to reach the homeless population in Philadelphia. So he was out here walking on foot, y'all, delivering these meals, making sure our people were fed. So I just say all that to say I'm so proud of my city and how we're standing up and how we're showing up and 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 coming together as a community um like you know we, we we've been doing but you know we just needed to go a little bit harder so shout out and mad love to to Philly y'all I fame and the host of edible podcast your plug for all your queer and cannabis media you can find us on all social media and streaming platforms as well as on oneairwhistler.com um, we're doing the breakfast at night special all throughout the week as well until the end of june so make sure you roll up and tune in and bring all your munchies to the breakfast at night special be safe y'all no good cops in a trans lives matter. Here are some of the recent black trans lives that were lost that we are still asking justice for. Raya Milton, Dominique Remy Fells, Tony McDade, Nina Pop, Yahira Nesby, Brianna B.B. Hill, Italy Marlowe, Malaysia Booker, B-Love Slater, Bailey Reeves, Pebbles LaDime Doe, Kiki Fantroy, Bubba Walker, Tracy Single, Denali Berries Suckley, Brooklyn Lindsay, Zoe Spears, Chanel Skurlock, and Laylene Polenko Extravaganza. Black Trans Lives Matter. Hey 
Hey y'all, it's Fame from Edible Podcasts. And I just want to remind you all that for the rest of this month, we will be switching to a new time, 7.30 and 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our Breakfast at Night special. So make sure you roll up and tune in to onairwithsir.com. Edible Podcast is available on all streaming platforms and social media. Check us out.